What is rest anyway? Why is it so hard for me to rest? What is rest anyway? And how do I do life different so that I'm not so tired and stressed and empty? How do I do life different so that I'm not so tired and stressed and empty? Why is it so hard for us to rest? What is rest anyway? How do I do life different so that differently, I guess, so that I'm not so tired, stressed, and empty? And then is there a life beyond the to-do list besides death, that is? Because <laughs> people actually say, well, I'm going to get to rest in the grave. No, you're going to be building kingdoms then, you know? You're not going to get to rest then. So here they are. Why is it so hard for me to rest? What is rest anyway? How do I do life differently so that I'm not so tired, stressed, and empty? Is there a life beyond the to-do list, to-do list besides death? And what does God really mean by surrender? Okay, that was five, right? Yeah, the last one was. Yeah, what does God really mean by surrender is the very last one. Okay, so one, I two, three, three, four, five. four and five? I thought we had three, so what's four? I'm sorry. I, I'm good until, I'm three, good until four. Is there a life beyond the to-do list? Yes, sir. And what does God really mean by surrender? <clears throat> so, um, here's how this worked for me. I was um, going great guns, doing all the things that God had called me to do. I had family, I had work, I had church, I had all the stuff that normal people have. And the Lord came up and said, we're going to just recalibrate everything. We're just going to, everything's on the table, and we're going to start taking stuff off the table. Uh, and actually, I probably could say he just kind of cleared the table. And it was the hardest thing I'd ever gone through. And so, uh, this is coming to mind, so I'm just going to share it with you. <clears throat> the power of a prophetic word. I was doing an event in Colorado, and this pastor was trying to release a word to the congregation. And... You could see that he was kind of struggling, and finally he just looked at me and Chuck, and he said, because we were guests there, and we'd been teaching in their church the whole week, and this is the last Sunday morning, he goes, you and Chuck just need to come up. And um, he said, because this word is not for the body, it's for the two of you. And so he said, um, he gives us, this prophetic word was for me. He said, um, oh, and let me just add that the youth group had just prayed for me 30 minutes before. And they prayed all this stuff. And this one guy, a guy in high school, pulled me to um, a side room because he didn't want to release this word out in public because he's a young man, right? And he was afraid if I'm wrong, I don't want to embarrass you or embarrass myself, right? And he said, you're getting ready to go through the hardest season with God that you've ever gone through. And he goes, I'm, I don't want to scare you, but that's just what I heard. And I'm going, great. <laughs> right? <laughs> So then this pastor comes up and he says this really beautiful glowing thing about Chuck and about how God's blessings on Chuck and Chuck's, God's going to raise Chuck up and la, la, la. And I'm going, go Chuck. And then he turns to me and he goes, there are, I see you and there are these huge white lights and they're coming straight at you and they're going to mow you over. And it's going to be the hardest year you've ever gone through. And I'm going, I thought that's what I've been doing for the last 18 years. <laughs> And because I'm, I mean, Chuck and I are like in a brand new season, right? We're, we've just come out of the muck and I'm just like, I'm going, are you kidding me? And he said, but don't worry, Jesus is behind the lights. So you're going to go, oh, what's coming at me? But just know that Jesus is behind the lights and he's the one that's doing this. And he goes, and you're going to be different when it's all over. So 
you know, I don't know what you guys do with prophetic words, but that was kind of freaky for me. I was kind of new in this. And so when this started breaking down, the Lord brought that prophetic word back to mind. Don't worry. You're, you got this. Something's coming at you, going to run over you, but it's Jesus. So take heart that when you go flatline, he's in it. So the Lord came up and just said that I was to take, I was actually on sabbatical because I'd had this crazy schedule. Someone had gifted me some time at the beach. So I was on a sabbatical with the Lord. And that's when he goes, no, we're going to just, you're going to have a much longer sabbatical. It lasted for a year. Um, and people go, no work for a year. Awesome. That's not exactly what it was like. <laughs> because what God did was he, I had to, every single area of my life, the Lord picked it up, turned it over, and then it went on this pile or this pile. And then we picked it up and turned it over, and it went on this pile and this pile. There was like no stone unturned. So I'm going to give you what some of those stones are because these are stones for you as well. And actually, I think I'm maybe being a little bit too nice. The Lord killed every one of these areas of my life, and I, I do mean kill them. He killed my ideas, my plans my finances, my ego, my accomplishments, uh, my credibility, my activity level, my excuses, my distractions, and even my hope, because he showed me that I was hoping in the wrong thing. So when the Lord says that he wants us to rest, right, these are all the things that answer that first question. Why is it so hard for us to rest? It's because of your ideas, your plans, your finances, your ego, your accomplishments, your activities, your credibility, your excuses, your distractions, your hope. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have a paradigm of our life structured whether knowingly or unknowingly, and God may or may not be at the center of it. Am I going too fast? You guys doing okay? That was a little fast. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to do it again? Please. Sure. Ideas, plans, finances, ego, accomplishments, activity, credibility, excuses, distractions, and hope. Ah, Jesus, help me. It's really easy for me to see this, and, and I can look back now, and this makes perfect sense. But when I was going through um, this heart surgery, do y'all remember the old game called Operation? That's what my life was like. It's like the Lord was, <laughs> how much more are we going to take out? He's going, everything. Because the Lord was trying to take away every prop that I had that had convinced me that I was doing really well. Selah. It was the most successful season I'd ever had in my work. I, it just, I have all this momentum, 
everything's just going forward, and the Lord goes, and stop. And I'm going, oh. I mean, I can't possibly do that. He's going, why can't you possibly do that? Because I mean, I have people depending on me, and I'm supposed to do it. And he's like, well, you're really not that important, Jana. You're just really not that important. And just watching me, just him just peeling off all these notions that I had about myself. It's, there were notions. And so when we got done, when he started pulling out all these things, and this didn't happen overnight. And those of you who've gone through heart surgery, I wanted this to be a one and done. Let's get it in, let's get it out. Come on, one day surgery. I'm not even going to stay overnight at the hospital. I mean, this is weeks upon weeks. So literally, I'm not kidding. Every month we had a new topic, and he gave saturation and revelation. And then when I finally surrendered or grabbed it, then we moved on to the next revelation for the month. So the first thing that I would, I would, what's the verb? I would invite you to examine is your own level of exhaustion, because I was in total denial about the fact that I was completely exhausted. And that my exhaustion, despite the outer form, I had a lot of outer form, my inner reality was bone dry. And I'm in, quote, ministry. We're all in ministry because we're all carrying the good news of gospel. But I'm supposed to be going and telling people about Jesus and did, in fact, go tell people about Jesus. And the Lord did bring deliverance and all kinds of crazy work, his power for his name, for his goodness. But then when you start turning around looking at me, I'm going, why does my heart feel like a shell? I just got off this amazing retreat, and my heart feels like a shell. Does, it, does anybody understand what I'm saying? When you go do that thing, whatever your thing is, it's supposed to fill you to fullness, and God shows up because God is God, and he loves to be God, and then you're going, I'm still not right. It's that sense of credibility and activity trying to make prop myself up to be something other than what God had called me to. So... Um, I have this crazy sentence here that God will always do what the Holy Spirit will always do what the Holy Spirit promised to do, which is bring glory to Jesus. And that doesn't in any way excuse my personal responsibility for tending to my own soul. So I guess the question is, is how well are you tending to your own soul? Do you find that you're often bone dry, that you're disinterested, that you're so tired that you fill in the blank when it comes to God things, and yet you still you may think that that's the norm. <clears throat> Here's what my list of, I call it the empty, it's so funny where they were at the empty cup. I wrote this, <laughs> I wrote this, I wrote this, you know, in, in 2014, this uh, section here, it's called the empty cup syndrome. <clears throat> right? So funny how God has a sense of humor. Uh, lack of joy. You know, believe it or not, that's not the new Christian norm, lack of joy. <laughs> it's not. Um, no desire to do the work that God had called me to. Physically exhausted. Emotionally exhausted. This was a hard one. Impatient with my closest relationships. So, for Susan's sake, in case I'm going too fast. Lack of joy. No desire to do the work that God had called me to. Physically and emotionally exhausted. 
impatient with my closest relationships, avoiding my friends, anything to numb me out. Movies, food, porn, computer, alcohol, fill in the blank, whatever you use. No sense of hope. A foggy sense of the future. Feeling like a fraud. Feeling like a failure. No sense of hope. Foggy sense of future. I'm sorry, I lost It's that. okay. Foggy sense of the future. Feeling like a fraud. And feeling like a failure. And it's really interesting. Even as I read this out, it's so heavy that I want to rush in and I want to speak life and I want to encourage you. Oh, but Jesus, but Jesus. But you got to wade through this. Because you got to be honest with the Lord because this is not the normal Christian life. And yet so many of us, this is our normal life. And I feel like the Lord had to really get my face in his hands going, Jana, stop it. Right? And in the most loving way possible, but I don't know how many of those of the list that you check off, but the longer that we let that go, the more it depletes our God life. The, the more it just sucks us dry because we're acting like it's not a problem. This is not who we are in Christ. This is not what he's called us to. Um, that feeling like a fraud, though, was a really interesting thing because I think that all of us have an issue about being found lacking. Always questions about not being enough. And there, again, there is an answer to that. But you've got to get quiet enough with the Lord that you even know that you're living in that lie. Does that make sense? God, help me explain what I'm trying to say. If you don't know that you need a doctor, you're not going to go to the doctor. And if you don't ever get quiet enough before the Lord to even examine your own soul and your own spirit, you're never going to go to the spirit for help because you're going to think, oh, this is just life. It's not. It's not life. So the Lord sent me to uh, Psalm 84. This was just what I got in March. This is the way he comforted me. Because I'm reading this same list like you are going, God, this sucks. And he's going, yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> so Psalm 84, I'm just going to read it out loud because it's so beautiful. Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You can imagine that by the time I got done with those questions and that list, my heart and my flesh was crying out for the living God. Does that make sense? Like, how quick are you to cry out for the living God? Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Let's go let that sit for a second. Those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising you. And then this is the verse that was so kind. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. It's a journey. And he's going to give you the strength. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make, make it a place of springs and the autumn rain, rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength. 
until each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord. God Almighty, listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God, and look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is you, is the man, the woman, who trusts in you. Now, after I read that, and I'm going, oh, okay, I can finally breathe again. The Lord reminded me that I had that verse, blessed are those um, whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. <laughs> it was on the wall in my kitchen. <laughs> it had been on my wall in my kitchen for 10 years, but somehow I completely lost touch with the fact of going from strength to strength. Now, I want, to, I want you to understand, I'm not off the deep end. I'm just doing life on empty and thinking that that's normal. Are you all tracking with what I'm saying? Because I want, I want you to be really clear that unless you're regularly resting in the Lord, unless you have a clear understanding about the spiritual deposit that God gives through rest, I feel like most of us are running on empty and thinking that that's normal. And so we go from this place to try to get, just let me get a drink of water. Okay, I hope that's going to give me enough to last till I get to the next place. Okay, I'll get another drink of water. And there's just a different way of living in the reality of the Lord. And I did not know that until I'd gone through this incredible time with the Lord. So exhaustion is the first thing that I want you just to ask the Lord about. And then he asked me, Jana, what are you willing to do about your exhaustion? And I said, I don't know. And he went, great, I'll take it from here. It's one of those questions that he kind of sets you up when you have to ask the Lord, Lord, what do I need to do about my exhaustion? Because I don't know about you, I have found that I'm so convinced of my own schedule and the confinements of my schedule and the things that are pulling against me that I can't possibly live a different life. I have, I'm walking with a group of people right now, and they continue to tell us week after week, I can't possibly change my schedule to make more time for God. Yet if I told you what they do on a weekly basis, football games, gaming at night, internet, working 65, 70 hours a week, they really just can't imagine that they actually have time to be with God. And so when I say to you about what are you willing to do to write your life so that you're living in fullness, it's a weighty question. What are you willing to do? So um, the next thing that God showed me was um, for me to be able to move from exhaustion, I was going to have to pass through surrender. And um, I kept telling the Lord that I needed answers, and this is what the Lord said, Jenna, you want answers, and I want an overhaul. And I, I was really intently running after him, and he's going, and he would just say things like this, out of the blue, just out of the blue, Jenna, you must reorder your life. So I wrote that on a post-it, and it was everywhere I looked, Jana, you must reorder your life. Because I had to have more than the life that I was currently living. So God gave me permission to stop and take inventory and to still not have all the answers. So many of us are so process-oriented. If God doesn't answer you right away, then you must be doing something wrong. And the Lord's going to know that is the answer. 
Will you walk through the process with me moment by moment and let me show you your heart? You don't even know your own heart. I'm going to show you your heart so that you can see where we're going. Blessed is the one whose strength is in you, Lord, and who's got their heart set on the process and the journey. So, and for those of you quitters, I just want to throw this out here. It's a nice little bomb. You don't get to quit. You don't get to quit. And you can procrastinate and you can put up all these roadblocks, but God's just going to hold you right there. I, I really believe that some of us are in this like uh, checkmate kind of situation with the Lord, going, and we're going, I'm not going to move a bit forward. And the Lord's just in there going, no problem. I got time. I'll wait. And when I say it to you like that, when the God of all eternity says to you, I'll wait, who do you think is going to win? <laughs> right? And I, I, I have done this with the Lord. Have you done this with the Lord where you're going to pitch like a two-year-old, you're going to throw yourself down on the ground? As the Lord is going, okay, I'm, I'm good. When you're done, I'm still standing right here. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. Because he's so committed to his life being birthed in us fully, that he's going to do whatever it takes for us to get there. So he gave me these, and I'm going to give these to you because they're very specific things that we often don't talk about, is that my excuses about my exhaustion had to do with these things. The fear of man. What are people going to think about me? Fear of reputation. Fear of loss. Fear, 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 fear. It was all about what's going to happen to me. And so in going through that surrender, the step to surrender, I realized how very little I actually trusted the Lord. Could the Lord intervene with my board? Could the Lord intervene with the work that I thought I had to do? Could the Lord intervene with my calling? I mean, I had a calling from God. He had told me that. I'd had words of prophecy. I had seen evidence of that. And now the Lord is telling me to stop everything. What about the calling? What about the things that you've already told me? The Lord's going, we're not talking about that right now. The only thing we're talking about is your health, the health of your heart. I care about your heart, Jana. Do you care about your heart, or do you care about what you look like? So this is so hard. The Lord just showed me so plainly that I had already proven myself to not be trustworthy. Because I had physically, emotionally, and spiritually ragged myself out. So it's kind of like if the two of us, the Lord and I are arguing about who's going to be in charge. It's like the Lord is coming back to me going, well, we already saw that you can't handle this. But I can handle it. And I've already been proven to be faithful. That's why that song is so beautiful. Is that my confidence is in his faithfulness, not in mine. So when I'm asking him about the calling and my future and what's going to happen, the Lord goes, you're not even able to make these kind of lofty conversations right now because you're so depleted. Let's just work on the basics, and then we're going to go to the next step. Because here's the final thing, not the final thing, but the main thing, is the Lord is after my heart. And he gave me this vision. I had a lot. Here's one thing I want to just give testimony to the Lord. Here I'm in this frozen, dried-out place new to me because I'm thinking I'm keeping it all together. But when I really just started responding in obedience and I stopped doing all the things he told me to stop doing, 
I start having dreams and visions and revelations, all this stuff just coming out of nowhere. And so the Lord was so kind. Like, Jenna, if you'll do it my way, I'm going to lead you into a deeper life. And so it's that arguing thing again. Do you want to do it your way and see how far that gets you? Or do you want to try to quiet your life down so that the Lord can actually be heard? So here's a couple of stories. I'm arguing. I'm still in month one. I'm still <laughs> arguing about my own level of exhaustion. And I'm pulling up to a, uh, a red light, and I just get this sense from the Spirit, hey, look over there. So I look over, and my window happens to be down, and there is this bird, and this bird is going, and I'm so snarky, right? So I'm going to the Lord, oh, I'm on sabbatical, so now I have time to enjoy the birds. He's going, keep watching. So this bird is literally just not like looking around. I mean, looking straight at me. So then it hops to a different place in the road, and it just keeps doing that. I'm going, I'm losing my mind, right? So then the thing jumps up, And I'm going, God, this is the dumbest bird ever. And he goes, just keep watching. So the bird is still doing this, right? And then all of a sudden, I notice that my vision just pans out like a movie. And the bird has taken my attention from here. And it's landed on a sign that says, detour. And the Lord's going, we're going to go to the same destination. We're just going to take a little detour to get you there. All right? Noted. That one ran me for about a week and a half. I'm going, got it, listening, got it, listening. And then about a week or so later, I had this dream that I'm going to try to tell succinctly, but it was so powerful. In scene one, uh, actually, I didn't have this. I I was in worship. I didn't have a dream. I had like this vision when we were in worship. I had this, um, this scene one was the woman who was anointing Jesus's feet. Do you know this story? They anointed Jesus's feet and she's crying over Jesus and wiping his feet with her tears. That story is precious to me and it's loaded i have a lot of history with the lord about that story and he's just it's very loaded so i went got it and then the next scene was the scene of lucy from narnia are y'all familiar with narnia this Mm -hmm. story and her little cordial do you know how she had the cordial she put a drop and she would heal people do you remember this and then the next scene was this crazy story of my friend anna they did a mockery of her being caught at work. So the story is like this. She's, <clears throat> she's acting. She's talking on the phone, right? And she's playing on Facebook, and she's throwing spit wads. And all of a sudden, she sees the boss coming in, and she like, jumps up, and she starts doing that, right? Like she's been working. So those are the three scenes, right? And I'm going, God, I got the woman, and I got Lucy, but I don't know what Anna's doing in my dream, acting like she's afraid of the boss. And the Lord said, everything you started, you started because you were the woman that loved Jesus so much that you would wash his feet. And then you became Lucy because you wanted to administer healing. And if you're not careful, you're going to look like somebody that's trying to hide from their boss. And so I just went, oh my gosh. So when you start getting a warning from the Lord like that, going, you must pay attention to your spiritual condition. Selah. So I was like so blown up about what God was doing in my life. And so then, you know, April we did this whole thing about surrender. And then in May was about making a choice to 
do life his way. Still so much unsettling. So I want to just give you a couple of scriptures that God gave me this afternoon. I don't want to overload you because I know this is a heavy thought. Is that there is a really big difference of doing life. You know this verse from Romans 11.36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. You know that verse. There's a big difference doing life from him and through him and to him, radically different than doing it. It's on me, it's by me, and it's for me. How much of our life is spent, if the pressure is on me, all the work is done by me, and all the results are for me? And God really wants us to pay attention to who is fueling, who's the fuel source, who's the energy source, who is driving this bus. And the more I was trying to drive my own bus, the more exhausted that I got. Just let me listen for a second. Here's a question that the Lord gave me for us in this time. Asking the Holy Spirit, what is my biggest time and energy drain? What is my biggest time and energy drain? Let me come back to one thought I have here. What the Lord did with that vision was a beckoning to come back hold on a second here it comes that vision was remember where I came from and you sing songs about this all time about remembering your first love Mm -hmm. and about coming back to the why you do what you do if you get on autopilot if you're so working so hard so fast even working for God to the point that you've neglected your own soul, then you've got to stop and figure out who's getting the glory. Are you getting the glory or is the Lord getting the glory? And that's why that scripture for from him and through him and to him are all things. So I keep saying this. I feel like I get in different teaching uh, environments and I find that my heart keeps saying the same thing. There is a right order to the Christian life. And it's God first, non-negotiable. It's God first. And it's God living, breathing as you go. Uh, Today is a perfect example. I'm texting Chuck and I'm going, oh, I'm really nervous about my class tonight. I think it's going to be so boring. And Chuck goes, just run into the Lord. It's going to be okay. And I kid you not, I look two cars in front of me and there's a company I've never even heard of. And the name of the company on the car is called His Security. And I've been singing for four days, my confidence is in your faithfulness. It's like reorienting yourself that it's not on you, it's not about you, it's through him, for him, to him. So there's a right order of God, yourself, your family, your work. You may not like that order, but that is God's order. God first. And as you take care of God first, you're going to take care of yourself. And then as you take care of you and God together, right, 
your family's going to be rightly oriented, and then your work is going to be rightly oriented. I have a friend who just told me what she's willing to do to change her life. Her and her husband have come in and reset their bedtimes. They're grown-ass women, grown-ass men, and they have reset their bedtimes so that they can come in their house, all the phones are off, all the social engagements have been changed. I'm sorry, we can't do that because we have to be home by 9 o'clock. Can you imagine? We have to be home by 9 o'clock because they have to have time together. And she goes, it's so great. We have more sex. We have more conversations. We sleep better. We get up in the morning. And we have time with the Lord, and we have conversations, and the whole day is different. See, that's somebody who's committed to having their order rightly positioned. Do you see how simple that is? So what did they have to cut out? They cut out a little bit of drinking. They cut out a little bit of television. They cut out a little bit of extra entertainment. But their whole life is just very slowly shifting so that their order is right. It's a great word for all of us. Are you willing? It's like, here's what I wrote down. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? And are you so sick and tired of being sick and tired that you're willing to try it God's way? Because this is not the Christian life. This is not the normal Christian life. God has a totally different way. And I just want to say a couple more things and I'm done. We're going to talk about this some. We talked about it some at the retreat. I want to encourage you this week to take a Sabbath. Because if I told you that, um, you know, I heard Bill Johnson say this. We never excuse people breaking the other nine commandments, but we break the tenth commandment all the time. We don't excuse adultery. We don't excuse lying. We don't excuse adultery. But we think it's totally fine to break the Sabbath. And yet most of us don't realize what we really need in our life is just a day of Sabbath. So what do you do on Sabbath? I don't know about you and your church environments, but Chuck and I used to be the most tired on Sunday because we were running back and forth to church. Has anybody else had this experience? You're so tired doing God that you don't have time to be with God because you're just exhausted. So here are some things for you to do this Sunday or whatever day you Sabbath, okay? You ready? Write these down. You're going to take a nap, a 20-minute nap. Not a five-hour nap unless you need it, but a 20-minute nap. You're going to do something creative. You're going to do something that fills your heart with the Lord. I put God refill. Nap, creative, God refill, and you're going to play. And if you're like me, I had to go ask my friends who know how to play how to play. Because I literally did not know how to play. I didn't even know how to just go, yeah, we'll talk about that maybe next week. Do you know how to play? Do you remember how to play? I mean, I had kids. And I still didn't know how to just go play. Because the idea of Sabbath, uh, I was talking to the women this uh, past weekend. I just want to let your mind sit on this because I just can't get over this notion. Never in the history of man, never in the history of man, had there ever been a people group that stopped working. Never. So here God shows up, he chooses the Jews, and he goes, be like me. And I rested on the seventh, Sabbath, on the seventh day. So if I can rest on the seventh day, so can you rest on the seventh day. And they're going, oh, we can't do that. And he goes, you can because you have a God. See, these other people don't rest because they don't have a God. You have a God. So you've got to just trust me that I'm going to take care of you. And the reason that we don't Sabbath is because we don't think God can take care of all the stuff we think we need to do. And I tell you, 
Chuck and I have been doing this. You can't imagine. Um, here's what it looks like. I took my Sabbath yesterday because I had this weekend. And so I'm going to go, I'm going to go pay the bills. No, that looks like working. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go to the grocery store. No, that looks like working. What am I going to do today? I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go for a walk. That sounds very, I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to read my book. I'm going to call my mom because that's not work. I enjoy that. So it's like you just trying to recalibrate in your own mind what you're doing and why you're doing and what actually will refill your soul. And I just want to give you this nugget. Free people rest. Slaves don't get the option. Slaves work all the time, every day, because they have no option. And you are born a free person in Jesus. Are you throwing away your freedom on some kind of notion that you can't trust God to fill in the gaps? That's enough. Let me pray for you. Actually, I'm going to pray for you, but then I want you all to break up and pray for each other. God, I know this is a crazy, weighty word, but I believe that your heart is so intent on our hearts being healthy. I think that's the reason you gave us the Sabbath, and I'm sorry, God, that I've spent a lot of years refusing your gift. And thank you that you are showing me and teaching me um, how to live different, and I pray that same revelation for those who may not have it already. Maybe all these people are already resting well, but I just pray for... Um, that continual sense that your presence changes the demands of our life and that we would just invite you in every area. Yeah. God, I pray that you would let us have really intent conversations about the things that sap our life and these small tweaks. Give us wisdom from heaven about small tweaks that would give us more space, more margin, just to reorient you first and then everything else. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things are going to be taken care of. And I just pray for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I would like the men to go pray with the men, just because I think you guys have unique challenges. Is that okay? Will you lead that? Right? And then let's get the women... Please don't get in groups of five, but let's get in groups of like just two or three, and let's just pray for one another. Maybe find out, um, what time is it? Yeah. Um, maybe just talk a little bit what's stirred up, and then let's just pray blessing over each other, okay? So where do you want the men to go? We'll bring, we'll bring Catherine over here. <laughs> Catherine, you're getting booted. Get booted. All right, twos, threes, not huge groups.